0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Synergy Cast. I am your host, Sonia Jaffer, and I am trying something new with the way I release my episodes. I know that some of my episodes can be can be a little bit longer in length. So for some of my longer ones, I'm trying this new thing where I cut them in half and release a part one and part two in a series. So right now you are listening to part one of the conversation I got to have with my cousin Amber. So be sure to check out the part two and two. Tune into that as well because it's really interesting and y'all are not going to want to miss out on this. So in this part one, my cousin Amber and I dive into a conversation on her experiences having a career in the film industry, how being a South Asian and a smiley Muslim woman plays a role in her career, and how she eventually got to create her own film. I want to put a content warning out there that we do discuss sexual harassment in the workplace in this part. So please take care of yourself throughout the episode because that can be pretty tough to listen to. If y'all want to check out Amber and her projects and show her some love, I have linked all of that in the episode notes. Her personal Instagram is at Amber Moon business Facebook and Insta is at Amber Swanee Studios. Her website is Amber And for her film, the Facebook and Instagram is at Fuzzy Legs Film. The website is FuzzyLegsFilm.com. And then she's also part of two projects on Instagram at Ismaili Artist Alliance and at 3AM Thoughts Shy. Also, if you want to learn more about the Ismaili community, there's a link in the episode notes, so check that out. But like I mentioned in a previous episode, Ismailism is a sect of Islam under Shiaism, and both Amber and I identify as being Ismaili Muslim. So without further ado, I'm going to play the conversation that we had, and I hope you all enjoy listening to this part one. So welcome to the show, Amber. I'm really excited to have you on. So thank you so much for being here and welcome.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, So I know you have been working a lot in the film industry and I know you have had multiple different roles that you've played, but I know that that's not the only aspect of yourself. So to start off with a little introduction, what do you want to share about yourself to the listeners?
1: Yeah, sure. I'm a first-generation Pakistani-American. I'm a Shia-Smiley Muslim, and I'm a multidisciplinary artist. My focus is in filmmaking, where I produce, write, and direct projects, but I also have experience in photography, event planning, community organizing, and poetry.
0: So like lots of different things, like, you know, love the artists, you know, like we have a lot of artists in our family. So I would love to hear what got you interested in working in the film industry.
1: So when I was growing up from like a young age, I was really into art. My grandfather used to tell me like wonderful, enchanting bedtime stories every night of like different worlds and creatures. And I believe it had a big impact on my interest in storytelling from then on. What got me interested in working in the film industry was the ability to tell stories that no one had heard of before and there are so many stories that have never been touched and I wanted to highlight my own voice along with the community's voices as a South Asian first-generation American woman because too often our voices are diminished, our stories remain untold, and we are represented poorly by the mainstream media and the image we have in society. Often Women that look like me in the media are non-existent or represented with a small, quiet demeanor who don't speak up and do what is told of them. But is that that is the complete opposite of what I know to be true of the women that surround me in my life, because they're so much more complex than the boxes that they have been dominating white patriarchal system allows for. In order for that change to happen, there needs to be more BIPOC creators in charge of how they are represented. The challenge lies within who runs the system, who gets the funds to tell their stories, and more women of color need to be in charge at executive levels at companies one day to become and get to that level to help it happen. Before thinking about working in the film industry, I initially had interest in in art from a young age that involved slowly into filmmaking in high school and i took some digital art classes that was part of film club it was basically all i knew i had, didn't have any other interest in like pursuing anything else as a career even though i was told be a nurse be a doctor be a lawyer i'm like that does not compute <laughs> do not make me do that <laughs> and then i actually took a summer camp at the university i ended up attending southern illinois university of carbondale And I took that camp that was called Girls Make Movies. And that was like the first time I got to meet the faculty and staff at the university. And we got to make our own art projects with an all female empowering staff and safe space.
0: I think it's so interesting to see like what led people to get to like where they're at now. And it's so cool to hear just started in your childhood. It was like those bedtime stories that created that spark. And then in high school and grade school, you kind of took more art classes, and then in college, you know, it's so interesting to hear all that. So yeah, thank you for sharing.
1: Yeah, definitely. One of like the dearest memories of me like being really into storytelling is one time <laughs> I was like four or five years old. I dressed up as a grandma, and I made my family sit in front of me, and I told them like a story. I'm like, and I told them like in this old croaky voice. That's, like, the image I have of me as a child, like, telling me stories, and, like, to this day, I'm, like, the same way.
0: you were like, running a one-woman show <laughs> at, at that very young age. Look at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that story. That's so precious. I'm, like, We've known each other since childhood, so I could definitely, like, see that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and I'm also interested to hear, because I know you do work in the film industry, and you have worn so many different hats just working in that industry alone. So what has been some of your experiences so far?
1: Yeah, so I've had quite a plethora of experiences. It's been up and down and all around uh, in college, I worked for this TV show called Alt News Twenty Six Forty Six, and it was a magazine-style TV show that aired on WSIU PBS, which is like affiliate station for like the Southern Illinois area. We won and were nominated for multiple Emmys. I worked there as a workshop coordinator, a business manager, producer, and then an executive producer. In my last term there, that was like the most collaborative experience that I've had so far, and where I was like the most in charge in a project because we were students and we were basically like documenting whatever we thought was cool. we like Google things that were like funny. It was called old news because it's alternative news that wasn't covered in the media and we just wanted to travel and have fun and tell cool stories. And I covered like Vulture Fest and like these bands and like all these different types of things that like you would never have access to. On the other side of that, I worked for the university social media team. Uh, where I made videos and, like, photos for them for advertising for the school. So that's another facet. Documentary and then advertisement for work.
0: You went from, like, doing these little fun projects, you know, having full creative control... And then also, on the other hand, you have this advertising side too, which is also just as important too, but then it seems very different as well.
1: It is very different, but it's also like similar in some ways. For our like documentaries, we have to interview people, have like the nice chunks of dialogue that they have and intercut it with b-roll, which is random imagery, nice things that you see on the scene. Like for advertising, you get good talking points nice imagery it's storytelling still but very controlled or like there is you know there's branding and there's different things involved in that process that isn't involved in something that you're trying to document as reality
0: now that you say that i do see some parallels between like advertisement and also documentary filmmaking too
1: so while i'm still in college like i try to have as many experiences as i could that I had that thirst for knowledge. So like I went for a video production internship one summer for a company. And then I was an extern for like an after-school program where they taught kids how to make video content. And they also had their own shows like Community Television Network where they would air it on a certain like cable channel. So I just tried to learn about all these different aspects. Even another project I worked on in college, like for PBS, was the show called Noisegate? We basically filmed local bands in the area doing like a set of songs in the studio. My senior year, it transformed and we were filming punk basement shows <laughs> with our cameras like in these shows like just showing the culture of Carbondale. And we'd make like music videos. So,
0: like you got to like incorporate, cause I know in the beginning you mentioned that you're also really into music as well, music making and I also see like on your social media a lot you like always post like videos of you like playing the little like is it the ukulele
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah It's, it's cool to hear how you got to incorporate so many different interests of yours in the filmmaking too like with music as well
1: yeah definitely I music is like something I've loved since I was a kid having the opportunity I was like if I could do this like and be paid I'd be so happy right <laughs> for alt news we actually filmed pitchfork one time and I was in the photo pit and we met like a bunch of the bands and it was a jolly old time
0: <laughs> that's awesome do you like have any memorable experiences from like a band that you met
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> we caught the twin peaks the band after they're set but like our host of the show, he asks the band questions, and at the end of the interview, he went to shake each person's hand, and then the main singer—they kissed. <laughs> oh my god! I don't know how I'd react
0: to that. Like if I was-,
1: I was filming it, and I was like, "What is going on?" And then we made a gif of it afterwards, so we could always replay that moment in time.
0: Yeah, he's got to go with the flow, you know? Like, you never know what to expect, especially, like, being in the arts, like, the arts field, but just in general, like, being around people that are, like, artistic and creative. Like, you never know what to expect, so you just got to, like, go with the flow with these types of situations, and it sounds like that's how you approached it, too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> after college, after all that crazy stuff, I moved back to, like, my home in the suburbs of Chicago, and I spent the first few months working, at these different summer camps for, like, Duke University. I worked, like, as an assistant film teacher in North Carolina, and then I worked as an office assistant in, like, Sarasota, Florida. Um, so it was just, I don't know what to do. I'm just trying to get work and like, see what's out there, but also, like, travel to new states and just see what life is like in different states, because I've lived in Illinois my, my whole life. And then while I was starting that stuff, I got a call from like our Smiley community to work on this It's called the Julie Arts International Film Festival. And it took place in Portugal. Um, and also at some point I was a camera operator for the July 11th celebration in uh, 2017. And then I just spent the whole, my whole time after that networking in Chicago, going from going to networking events, volunteering for projects, going to film festivals and organizing film festivals, just meeting new people and learning what the industry was like in Chicago. Because I hear so much about people going to L.A. or going to New York. I'm like, there is something here already. And I want to see what it's like. And I have some connections already. Or I have my family here. So, And then like the jumping off point was one of my friends invited me to a camera ambassador event. There I met someone who became my mentor eventually and told me about this place called Stage 18 which is a film incubator in Chicago. Um, and now it's called the Independent Film Alliance, but it's where I met everyone that I know in the industry currently. And uh, Stage 18 is located in Cinespace, uh, where all the Chicago shows film. And I'm <laughs> eternally grateful that, for that connection because by doing that, I didn't have to pay to be a member and I could just network and go to the events while like being his intern. Wow. And I kind of like hustle, I hustled so hard. <laughs>
0: It sounds like, dude, this, everything you're sharing so far, like, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, dude, Amber's a straight-up hustler, though. Like, going all the way back to when you did that one-woman show when you were a kid until, like, now even, I'm just like, you were a hustler from the beginning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
1: But one of those events at Stage 18, I met a well-known location manager uh, in the Chicago film industry, And she brought me on as a director's assistant for an independent film that was, like, filming that winter. Uh, That ended up being my first paying job, even though it was, like, low-paying. And then during that time, I found that I did a lot more than I was supposed to do for my position. On set, I I also became, like, the set photographer. So I was wearing all these hats. We were working 16-hour-plus days. It was, like, working in the freezing cold, like, winters. (laughs) But like I got through it and it's really crazy, but it shaped me to have the respect that I do have for the productions I work on today and what I should look out for and watch for and what I like appreciate about each project that I go on to.
0: Also, I just like think in general, interns are so undervalued. And, like, the, in my experience being an intern, too, like, definitely have done work that, you know, maybe that was beyond my, <laughs> what I was supposed to be doing. But you're right. Like, it does give you this extra appreciation so that when you do enter the field and start getting paid or start, you know, working more professionally, you have this, like, foundation of knowledge and you have this extra appreciation.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. After I did that production... I started interning for this company called Full Spectrum Features, which is a nonprofit organization, and it specializes in creating films and media for BIPOC, the LGBTQI+ community, and my- minorities. And I worked on sets where people looked like me had the passion for storytelling. But while I was in that producing internship, after I graduated, I wrote the short film that I wanted to get done and produce like so badly. And then there was this pitching process for the story. I ended up winning the grant money, winning the support to make my film. And due to the workload over capacity of cabin and go like full on into my project, I had to quit that internship and like focus on my film. Even making that decision was difficult for me because I was meeting all these people as working on sets. And this one would be it'd be my own set. I'm like working and developing my own skills. But since it was my project, I needed to go all out for it during that like i had my own hardships with good comes the bad one of the days when i was preparing a presentation with my associate producer i was preparing her for the pitch presentation because i wasn't going to be there i was traveling to atlanta for the diamond jubilee which is like a big event for smiley it's like the end all be all for smiley so i was like i need to prepare her i had just met her in the program and i just wanted to make sure she was prepared and after our meeting, it was like late at night at p.m. I was driving home and I got hit and run on the highway. The back of my parents' CRV was smushed in and I had like whiplash.
0: That's intense. To be in an accident like that, to be in any accident, you know, to like experience any trauma like that, that's so tough.
1: And definitely with that experience, right after Didi Dar happened and I was on the bus like going back to our car, I got a call from Joy and she's like, hey, guess what? She's like, they chose buzzy legs to be made (laughs) I was like word that's crazy
0: This news is big. Like, this is your first film, your first project ever, you know? Like, ever since this point before, you were working for other people's projects and stuff like that, which was really cool, too, because you get to experience that. But what was it like? Like, what was what was going on in your head? Like, what was your thought process when you realized that you have your own project now, too?
1: It was kind of like a dream, but I kind of, I manifested it. Right after I graduated, I wrote the script, like, In college, I had this TV pilot that I wrote, like my senior year. And there was this class, TV pilot production. The production part, it didn't happen because he became the chair of the department. He could only teach one class and he didn't teach the production class. And I was so like devastated because I was looking forward to that four years of college like oh my god I'm gonna finally make my project and finally make a story that's about like what I want to talk about and that didn't happen so I was like I have to rethink after college I was like how can I make a project that's doable and short and I'm able to get like enough funds for and then then I came up with something that had similar morals and lessons that I wanted to cover that was in my tv pilot into this short film and then I just was sharing it with people I was talking to people about it once I finally got into the in pathways program, I was just like, I'm gonna make my film. I'm gonna make a film no matter what. Like I put in that mindset like this is gonna happen and like no one's gonna stop me. And I like made sure my pitch was prepared. You know, you had your marketing ideas, who's your audience. You have to have everything splayed out so people know that you're serious about it and that you will get this made. I was just like thank god it happened. Yeah.
0: I am a firm believer that everything happens in its time. When it's supposed to. And so it sounds like, yes, there was some frustration when you originally wanted to have your project start going, but then you hit that kind of roadblock with that professor of yours, and things kind of didn't align for that situation to happen. And yes, that's really frustrating, but in a way, it sounds like it just pushed you even more. Like it didn't it didn't stop you it, like you didn't lose hope you know like if anything it kind of fueled your passion even more and your drive even more and it sounds like when it eventually it, the project did happen that that timing was you know was perfect
1: yeah yeah that's definitely what happened it was in its time and it was ready to happen and then since completing fuzzy legs i've freelanced as a production assistant a producer, a production coordinator, just experimenting and seeing where my talents could take me. And then I came back to Chicago uh, and I worked for another TV show, Chicago Fire, for a month. And then COVID happened. And then I started doing like online production events for Chance the Rapper Social Works. I worked on this series called Workshops to teach people different creative skills and how to buy real estate and like how to take care of your mental health. And then I worked in the Allied media conference in Detroit. And then this Monday, I'm starting on Fargo as the COVID health and safety office production assistant. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. For the past year and a half, I've worked on the Smiley Artist Alliance, a community network for Smiley artists to connect and collaborate with one another and build their skills as artistic professionals.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you're able to just be flexible and kind of take up whatever role that is needed or is offered to you in the moment being an artist myself like I definitely feel like that's what it's like working in the art field you kind of just have to go with the flow and just pick up with what's available you can't really especially when you're starting out you can't really be like picky and choosy Mm
1: -hmm. so
0: it sounds like you know that's what you're able to do it that's a really big strength of yours especially with COVID too and look at you now like your new position has to do it because that's a new position that's needed now that's probably never nobody's ever had to do that position before, but now that's like a new role and you're just like willing to just jump at it and go for it and see where that goes. So
1: yeah, definitely being an artist, you have to be adaptable and change with the times and like any profession, but ours are like is more unstable and you go like contract to contract. And so a real goal for me is finding a sustainable lifestyle for myself once I am more established.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's the goal for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Also, you know, we talked about in the beginning that there's so many different layers to our identities and you brought up talking about like your culture and stuff as well and how you had to balance your cultural side of your identity with also your this like filmmaking artistic side of your identity. I know in the beginning, you also mentioned that you are South Asian. So I'm really curious to hear like how has being a South Asian woman impacted your experience working in the industry? as well.
1: So being a South Asian woman in the industry, sometimes you feel like you're kind of like a diversity token. It's been a mixed bag. In some cases with the shy, like I felt like I fit in because there was so many by POC on the set. I felt comfortable with them and like I could talk casually and have fun and do my job. But then working on some other sets in the past, I wasn't, I didn't feel comfortable because there wasn't a lot of people that looked like me or I was being talked to in a negative way. I was new, I was green, like a green PA. They just talk to you in a way that you haven't been spoken to before because you like respect for yourself and you have to deal with this like new environment which isn't good and needs to be changed. And then being like a woman in like one of my internships, I think I, rem- I remember I was going to move a table and then this other male intern that was this big guy was like, no, no, no let me take care of it. I'm here working to like, I'm capable of moving a table.
0: Right. Like
1: um, I could do that myself. <laughs> did I, did I? <laughs> I, don't I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. And it's Where is it when it's respect or where is it when it's like, I'm demeaning you. Right. Or it's probably both. Right. over the years being in these weird different environments even in the alt news project i was a part of there was sometimes i felt like i wasn't heard like because i was the only person of color at that time on the crew wow. or like on staff one time i was producing this segment and like i told everyone hold for room tone and one of the executive producers kept moving around and he did not listen to me and it's like dude i need 30 seconds for you to chill out like so I can record this and I wasn't heard I was like disrespected and I faced a lot of toxic environments that I realized were bad afterwards and I was like wow how did I get through that and how is this still happening and how do I work through this to make it better
0: experiencing all that like I can definitely relate to being the only person of color in the room in like you know a lot of white dominated spaces especially like my field is a very white dominated space so I get that imposter syndrome a lot and that especially when people don't listen to you or your voice isn't heard it's kind of that constant reminder do I belong here what's going on here like why am I being treated different and you're right a lot of times I don't even realize how problematic shit was or how I was treated with blatant racism until after the fact (laughs) and then I'm like looking back and I'll be like wait a second that was pure racism that I just experienced or like one of my friends
1: will call it out and then I'll be like oh wait yeah you're right yeah like even in the nonprofit field we had problems with white male leader not respecting or listening to the peers causing large systemic problems for like the organization that they're working with currently during quarantine like two of them been call- been called out by like by POC and the LGBTQI plus community, like members from my organization addressed these issues. And while I was a part of that organization, like I felt like my voice was not heard or diminished because I was young and not given the authority that I tried to command, like forced to make decisions that I didn't want to or have or didn't feel like they were right. But in the environment that I was in, it seemed like it was right at the time. Along with that imposter syndrome, Harassment is quite prevalent on on sets, like bigger sets and smaller sets, too. And quite a few times, I have not felt the place or space to speak up on my own problems because they were a norm for other women. And, like, they just accepted it. And I felt like that my problems didn't matter because— or shouldn't matter because it's for the good of the show if I don't talk about it and don't call this person and so I'd had to internalize a lot of things that I shouldn't have had to and so like when they say the industry isn't for the weak that's what they mean but while that's true it's like totally and completely unhealthy and afterwards and like going through these situations I realized that it's it's the system it has to change and then not myself yes even on set Like having that space to speak up uh, is kind of difficult, even on big professional sets. There is an HR department, but they're in Los Angeles and you call them up and it makes it all the more intimidating to call someone out if you like want to say something. And when you're on set, there isn't like a person you can go to and be like, hey, this person did that and made me uncomfortable. Like you can tell someone, but they're not going to do anything about it unless you go to the higher-ups right. and then it's causing these problems that you don't want to happen but need to, to in order to end that change.
0: Right and then there's that whole fear of will I even be believed right because I know especially with like the Me Too movement and stuff coming out we do see a lot of that especially in like the film industry and like, in all industries but since we're talking about the film industry in specific definitely see a lot of that resurfacing now and I hear from women that have experienced that like yourself there's that first intimidation factor of okay I'm gonna have to retell and relive my trauma when I experience this like you said there's there's not even someone you can go to in your proximity in your comfort zone who you can speak to about this so you have to literally call a stranger from a different state that you're not even familiar with yeah. to tell your story your trauma and relive that and then there's that chance of not even being believed or you know not even being heard like you talked about earlier too so that definitely sounds very tough what changes would you want to see like i even on your set even
1: i think having a person to turn to or building a culture to have that open safe space with to discuss these things should be welcomed like at the beginning of a project the first day on set or the first day in office say these are my expectations And if you have any problems or issues, come to me. There's personal issues, like you can come and talk to me as the producer or as the head of this department or having an HR person that like bigger production people can go to on site would be better than having it in a different state. And it's not just like the sexual harassment, anti-sexual harassment training. It's like putting into Action day in and day out, you know you have someone to turn to, and someone that's like emotionally available to do that. Is hired to do that. I think film in general just needs like a psychologist, a therapist. <laughs> Yeah, even just
0: like a mental health professional, like someone to talk to that's trained with, you know, how to handle situations like that. How is that not already seen as uh, something that's needed on set that people have access to? Especially with the prevalence of sexual harassment in the film industry. Like, we know that that's such a prevalent issue. So why isn't this already happening? Like, why don't people already see that as something that needs to be there?
1: It's probably because it's... To think of it, just as like another cost or something like that, but that's like the most important thing.
0: Exactly. I'm sure that they spend money on extra shit all the time that maybe they that money could have gone towards resources for like staff for
1: for their mental health. I think the biggest thing is having HR in both offices or both places. You know, not just in LA, but like have one here too. Yeah. Um. Like on indie sets, like you can set the president like at the beginning of like shooting up that that's the case like you can go to this person and talk about it I think that's what you can do on like lower level sets that you have like control over because you want to build a healthy environment and these are your friends or like your acquaintances that you know and you want to continue to work with and like build a community with and that's how you can do it on lower level but I think in the higher level industry it needs some work but going off of that and explaining more of what I'd want from like a production set that I would run or would want to exist in general from like what I've seen in Hollywood, TV world, nonprofit, events, corporate, commercial, video work, independent film and all these things. I've learned there's like things to appreciate from all of these realms and I hope to take that knowledge that I've gathered through the years to forge like a new route and a system for creators to feel determined, comfortable, healthy, happy, heard, and like financially secure in the work that they do. And to begin, I've started to recognize the kinds of people I want and need to surround myself with that have similar goals and hope to continue to build those connections and network into a place where we all want to see going forward. Even with this COVID position, like having that existence self is like a huge thing, making sure our health comes first and not just money. Yeah, like, just not makeshifting it, like, oh, yeah, we have to go back to work no matter what, because this is a capitalist system, and we have to make money, and people want to see the show. It's like, our health is important, and if you don't take care of that, we all die. (laughs) There's no health and
0: well-being, there's no show, (laughs) so.
1: Yeah, so I feel like it's starting to change, in a way, because of COVID, so it's one (laughs) positive.
0: that yeah with like COVID and also with the revolution that's going on as well I I believe everything's interconnected I don't think anything's just exists separate in a vacuum you know so like I feel like there's a lot of change coming about
1: I hope so too I feel like a lot of people have been called out during the quarantine. They're forced to change because people can see everything now. I don't think it's going to go back to normal, but when like we have to start interacting with people more, there's like less of a capitalistic mindset and more of an emotional well-being, well-rounded human being mindset.
0: I know it's very tough to share that, so I appreciate you like sharing that because I feel like a lot of people can relate to that, especially like people that
1: work in your industry as well. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Yeah, of course. There doesn't only have to be one way of doing things. What has been done in the past is majority of what white males want to do. And now I feel empowered and I feel like other people are feeling empowered to say what they actually want and go out for those things and build a world that looks more like them.
0: Yeah, and hopefully people that have been controlling society, basically the white, straight, cis male, hopefully they'll listen now that's what I'm hoping for because we've talked a lot about how we've even tried speaking up in the past and just been shunned or not listened to so hopefully now people will take everything that's going on into account and then push themselves to listen to like 5 POC especially fingers crossed So also, I know we've been discussing a lot about like how we have so many different layers to our identities. So what has been some of your experience with like developing all these different layers of your identity?
1: I feel like a lot of my identity has like rotated and revolved around my work and like getting work done. But the hardest part about it is stepping back and seeing who I am outside of that field. And it's difficult to do because Like my career has been so go, go, go to find the next job. So I'm like thankful for quarantine because it's giving me the space to be productive as a professional. But then I do that part time and then I'm taking my time going on a stroll in nature. I'm longboarding. And I'm having time to meditate and like learn new skills and appreciate my free time and reassess my goals of like what's important with my life, my friends, my family. And I just hope I can maintain this balance when I go back into production with these long days and like 60 hour weeks and to still have that mindset and like, not be in the stressful mindset, but like in the full embodiment and like being in the moment and enjoying what I have in front of me. And that like I have to attach. Myself to my own mission wherever I go to, and not the job or person or place. And that's how I build my identity outside of my career. And my mission is to create a safe, healthy, fruitful space for BIPOC, the LGBTQI plus community, and women to create projects that speak to their intricacies of life, and one day run an international media and arts company that reflects the values that I mentioned above, where we can respect all of us as a person coming into their creative field because we are so multifaceted and we are more than our work.
0: We're not just one thing, you know, and that's why I like how even in this conversation, although we do center it around you working in the film industry, I love how we're also branching out and talking about all these different avenues as well, because that's being human, you know, like we're not just our work. And I think growing up in Western culture, people really associate their identities with what they do and I've noticed that in other cultures it's not always like that you know like I notice in America especially people will always ask you when they meet you oh what do you do but I notice in other countries it's that question's not even really the first thing that comes to people's mind.
1: Yeah I feel like Western culture has things to learn from other cultures from South Asian culture like it's Like we're family oriented. Like people live with their families like when they're married and they have kids and like they still live with their grandparents. There's good and bad in both and like being this independent person and being like this family oriented person, I feel like. Finding a balance between the two is important for ourselves to, like, have our own boundaries, but also be, like, fruitful in the life that we have with those that are close to us.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what's so beautiful about being a first generation for me. I spoke about this on the podcast before, how, like, I've always had to figure out how to strike that balance between keeping my, you know, South Asian cultural values that my parents raised me with of community and family but also with the Western values that I was raised with in America of like being independent and having autonomy. So because we're first generation, we are kind of forced into finding that balance from the very beginning, you know, whereas other people that may not have been raised first generation may not have been so pushed into that experience as well. Also, I know you talked a lot about, you know, some work that you've done within the smiley community as well. So I'm also interested to hear how has being a member of the Smiley community impacted your
1: work. So, being a part of the Smiley community, I've been able to take up positions at higher levels as a volunteer with more responsibilities than I have. So, one example is I was a camera operator for Danya for July 11 celebrations, and I was able to take that experience and say that I've camera operated with a lot of different gear than I did in college. And I applied for a camera operating job for events. And I got it. They don't know what Diamond Julie is, but like they know what this camera gear is. And it's like the same thing. You can transfer um, your skills to that. That's the same company that I've been contracting since last year. One other like big experience I had was working on the Ligidly Arts International Film Festival. I met so many different people from around the country, around the world, and like connected with them and saw these different filmmakers and artists from every walk of life. Like I was helping programming these films for like an international film festival in Portugal who can say that <laughs>
0: that's like a once-in-a-lifetime experience that's so rare and that's so cool and like also the aspect of community that we talked about right like in our South Asian culture in general but specifically in our Smiley community That's one thing I really like about being a part of it is the community aspect. No matter where you go in the world, there isn't a smiley community there and they will like embrace you with open arms.
1: My dad worked in Texas for like 10 months and we went to the Jamakana there and we went to like, you know, Mukisar, like the head lead and they were like, oh, you just moved here? Let's help you get your furniture. You're this, you're that. I know this guy and that guy and that guy. And like, like yeah. he got upset within like the week or however long we were there before we had to head back home. And it's just like amazing how supportive we are of each other. Even like working on this film festival got me a like contract job working on the Chicago Underground Film Festival. I was running like three productions at once. That's why it, <laughs> it was. <laughs> like, I'm surprised. I kept my like sanity. You're like looking back, you're like, how the hell did <laughs> I? <do that?" laughs> I felt like very strong and powerful. Those positions. One came up to me and she's, I'm really like happy to see you're here. Like I'm proud that you're here because you're changing the way the AV team is. It's not a boys club anymore. Like it's usually a boys club, and you're here now. Now these other young girls will like, come and think outside of box of what they can do for their life Rep- or their interests.
0: Represent. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's awesome. And you're right. Like other little girls will probably look and see like wow, there's someone looks like me, <laughs> you know, like it's not just for boys and no matter what our parents tell us, you know, because that's very real. Like, our parents are like, Oh, be a doctor, be an engineer, be a nurse. It kind of might encourage little girls to push past that expectation as well. All right, everybody, that was it for the part one of this conversation. I hope you all enjoyed listening and got to learn a little bit more about Amber and her career in the film industry and all the other parts of her identity too, because like we mentioned, we are a lot more than our careers. So thank you all for tuning into this part one and be sure to tune into part two To hear more about this conversation, we dive into some really, really, really interesting topics. So you all will not want to miss out on this. Amber spills some hot tea about the film industry. We also discuss representation of South Asians in the film industry. And we both talk about our opinions on the new Netflix shows Never Have I Ever, and Indian Matchmaking. We talk about beauty standards, bo- body positivity, and more. So please, please tune into part two, and that's already published, and you can find that where you listen to Synergy Cast normally. Thank you all for listening, and enjoy the part two. As always, I thank you for listening and staying tuned. If you like this episode, feel free to share it with the people in your life. I would also really appreciate if you would subscribe to Synergy Cast on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Give it a 5-star rating and leave a good review mentioning what you like about the podcast. You can also follow the Instagram for updates, at SynergyCast, and I have also included that in the episode notes. I have now a new feature, which is a voice memo feature, which I am very excited about. So if you would like to send in your thoughts and your feelings or your personal experiences, feel free to record a voice memo and send it my way. I would love to include your voice in the next podcast episodes. Lastly, if you are willing and able, there is another new feature where you can donate however much money you want to help support Synergy Cast financially. If you do choose to donate, the money would help me pay for several things. It would help me pay for myself, my own energies, my own efforts, and also the money would help pay my future guests especially people of color for their time since i believe it is very important to compensate people of color especially for their time and energy since many bipoc which stands for black indigenous and people of color have a history of being taken advantage of and underpaid or not paid at all for their efforts so any and all ways you choose to support would be very much appreciated Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes coming your way soon. Stay safe, everyone, and take care.